Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Hello and welcome back to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet and welcome back to the flagship show, ESSR Central. My name's Ross McLeod, returning to the hosting chair after John Asherwood did such a great job last week. Such a great job that my panellist this week was lobbying for him to take my job, David Hockney. <laughs> yeah, listen, I never said he should take your job. All I said was, quote, it was, it was a breath of fresh air to hear John in the hosting chair for once. That was all. I did not call you to be sacked because... You've been a consistent part of Central for so long, and I'm really glad that I'm probably one of your most regularly scheduled panels on Central. Nice. Crawling back, listeners. If you'd like to listen to the massive back catalogue, including a breath of fresh air, John Isherwood, and a stale as fuck, Ross McLeod, then you can listen <laughs> to Suplex Retweet on iTunes, uh, Spotify, and all good Android podcasting sites, at Suplex Retweet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, you name it. We are on it. Right, Great American Bash this past Sunday night NXT back on the road again after the Battleground uh, premium live event from Cedar Park, Texas with the Great American Bash just going to run through the results of the show quite quickly Uh, Nathan Fraser, Dragon Lee and two of the most generic uh, women's wrestlers WWE ever produced defeated the Metaphor in an eight-person tag team match on the pre-show uh, the family, Tony D'Angelo and Stax, defeating Gallus for the NXT Tag Team Championships. Roxanne Perez defeating Blair Davenport in a Weapons Wild match. Gable Stevenson and Baron Corbin ending in a double countout. Dominic Mysterio defeating Wesley and Mustafa Ali to retain his NXT North American Championship. Tiffany Stratton defeating Thea Hale in a submissions match when Andre Chase threw in the towel. And Carmelo Hayes defeating Ilya Dragunov for the NXT uh, to retain, sorry, the NXT Championship. Uh, David, uh, what were your thoughts on the event? And pick a match and we'll go through it. I guess talking point coming out of it was the was Gable Stevenson's uh, debut performance because, I mean, if there's ever a time for the crowd to cheer for Baron Corbin, it had to be this time. You know, (laughs) like someone who is a legit Olympic hero, much like, you know, because WWE's never had Olympic heroes in the past before, but the crowd were just simply not having it. You know, he's, they call him like Kurt Angle 2.0. Like people are actually cheering for Corbin to get the win here. He was booed throughout the entire match. Gable, that is not Corbin. And I mean, there really was no salvaging it. I think the double count out almost felt like an on the fly call a little bit. You know, just to sort of make, not to send the crowd home furious, but at the same time, you know, you, you can't please them with a double counter. So they were, their backs were really against the wall here. But I think the uh, what really saved the whole show, like following that debacle, was the Carmelo Hayes Elia Dragunov match. Like, because, well, we'll, you know, we'll we've seen. In a minute. We'll, we'll pick up on your, your points about uh, Gable Corbin because. Um, he has been signed to WWE for a while. He was part of the 2021 draft. He was drafted to Raw. He then didn't make an appearance. He then appeared at WrestleMania in 2022, uh, attacking uh, his namesake, Chad Gable, um, mm-hmm. after the uh, Raw Tag Team Championship match. 
he appeared with Kurt Angle at Kurt Angle's birthday celebration. Kurt Angle's birthday seemed like a, a bit of, hey, remember this guy? He's he's still here. Um, a lot has been put on Gable and um, David Campbell in one of the chats was saying about this should have been where the Kurt Angle style heel turn has happened, where it's, you know, you do not boo an Olympic gold medalist and, you know, Kurt finds a gimmick that suits him and then eventually wins the crowd back over sort of thing. But my thing there was, this was the Attitude Era. This was, you know, pre-internet dirt sheets. This was, you know, Kurt Angle wasn't, you know, drafted on the first episode of Sunday Night Heat. Kurt Angle wasn't, you know, brought to WrestleMania to, you know, take down the New Age Outlaws. Kurt Angle was allowed to develop in the background and it seems to be that Kurt and Gable have taken to wrestling in different ways. Uh, Kurt Angle took to it like a duck to water. There was reports that WWE officials weren't happy with how quickly Gable Stevenson was adapting to WWE. And there wasn't this internet pressure where we know how much has been invested in Kurt Angle. And I also think... And the thing was, when Kurt Angle saying, you know, you do not boo an Olympic gold medalist, this was the attitude era when WWE were more, they were more open to changing things every week. You know, heel and face turns and shock tactic stuff was a big part of the attitude era. Whereas WWE now, when they've invested so much in someone, they're often quite hesitant to to make that heel turn. And... Yeah, I, I just I don't think he's there yet in ring. I think they've maybe been forced to start putting him into feuds because they don't want people being like, right, you know, it's been three years since you signed him. And, you know, in fact, it was at SummerSlam as well. SummerSlam 2021, he came out and there was a big thing about him. You know, oh, please welcome the gold medalist, Gable Stevenson. Um So, yeah, I think there's a lot invested here. And I... I at the minute, and you know, it's hard to tell it's his first match, but I don't see a lot uh, a lot of payoff coming from this investment. No, probably not. And, and I suppose they had him feud with Corbin to begin with, because, you know, Corbin's been a, a heel throughout his entire run. So, and I don't recall many a time where he was actually cheered apart from once, maybe at a live event in Paris, where I think he faced Rick Boogs and he actually, that uh, was filmed by a fan. And you could see how pleased he was with such a positive reaction. But on TV, but on TV, you know, he's always the heelish character going through reinvention after reinvention. And he still gets booed just because he's a good heel character. So I guess they assume that by default, you know, they've got to cheer for like a, a gold medal Olympian against this guy who's been consistently hated ever since he signed for NXT like 10 years ago. But... But you're right, I think maybe the uh, internet trolls probably played a factor a little bit. You know, there was all this investment in it and it just failed to materialise in, like, when they actually put him out there. Like, it's, it's just been very stop-start with them. And when the time came, you know, the, the spark had fizzled and nobody, I think everybody just lost interest in it. Yeah, um, well, you know what, let's save the, I know you were going to mention Carmelo Hayes, Ilya Dragunov, let's save that for last. Um, let's go through the cards. Um, you mentioned Stop Start, Blair Davenport, um, the former B Priestley came in with a lot of uh, fanfare, um, COVID preventing her coming over from NXT UK, then visa issues and some injury issues have led to a bit of a stop-start push for her, but I thought her Weapons Wild match with Roxanne Perez, who continually is on these takeovers, even if it's not in a women's title feud, and I, I think that does show the investment WWE have in her. I thought their Weapons Wild match was a really fun, quite brutal at times, back-and-forth match with Roxanne Perez getting the win. Yeah, because it's good for Roxanne to you know keep her momentum going after you know losing the the NXT Women's Title at um, WrestleMania Takeover, but Blair Davenport's a little bit of an anomaly uh, to me because obviously if, the only time I've really seen her shine is in NXT UK, and she's not had that much exposure on NXT Florida since um, 
since she was originally brought in as the part of the triple threat against Mandy Rose and Mako Satomura. So I think this is her first proper feud on NXT Florida. But I think she still needs time to really sort of connect with the audience a little bit before, you know, um, you know, much like Roxanne, you know, she's had time to build up that support, etc. But it seems to me like, you know, whenever they do a weapons teams match in NXT, doesn't matter if it's men or women, they always seem to pull out really really clever spots, but it done in such a way that, you know, it keeps the brutality of it rather than being like a, a form of, you know, artistry, for example. Yeah. Um, I think here Roxanne Perez getting a win, important thing, because it bounces her back from the title loss. It keeps her, um, keeps her fresh because she's never had a feud with Tiffany Stratton, uh, mm-hmm. so she can go back into the title picture. Blair Davenport, I do think, will be all right. They had her revealed as the sort of the mystery attacker woman uh, because, you know, there was so many injuries in the NXT women's division that um, they thought, well, let's make a storyline out of it. So there is that there, that there's so many people to come back and they are, I'm not saying they're not on Blair Davenport's level, but, you know, they're certainly earlier in their careers than Blair Davenport. And I think it's a good few people for Blair Davenport to go through and keep her keep her on TV, keep her in rivalries, keep her in feuds, and keep her ever-present for when they eventually have a face champion. I think she'll be able to slot right in there as the sort of first contender. So, uh, fun match, no complaints about it. Let's say, uh, I'm not going to talk about the pre-show because um, it just looks like it's continuing the, the Heritage Cup feud um, Dragon Lee, we'll talk about him a little bit after we talk about the North American Championship match. Um, I would like to say, though, Leon and Feroz, the most generic of generic wrestlers. If you if you went to the <laughs> default, you know, the presets on Create a Wrestler, you could have created two more interesting wrestlers than these two. I think it was just because Nathan and Dragon Lee needed a third and fourth to go up against the metaphor, who, by the way, I absolutely love, but uh, we're not going to go into the match. We're going to go to the NXT Tag Team Championship match. The family eventually winning the NXT Tag Team Championships. That's now three of the four of the NXT 2.0 team uh, from the War Games match in 2021. Braun Breaker, uh, Carmelo Hayes, and now Tony D'Angelo, all with titles. Uh, Grayson Waller, the odd one out, but he has had you know, feuds with AJ Styles, uh, pay-per-view <laughs> feuds with, uh, sorry, pay-per-view promos with John Cena, and it looks like he could be in a feud or any segment this coming SummerSlam with a certain Dwayne The Rock Johnson. So I think he's doing not too badly, but the family, what's your reaction to them as NXT Tag Team Champions? This is good for the you know, the family, etc. you know, because uh, Tony D and Stax, you know, the th- did they not have like two times as well? But he got released for for some reason. Like I think they, those guys could have been like a proper, properly good stable. Uh, you know, maybe to fill the gap that Toxic Attraction left. But uh, I think it's just been a little bit stop start with you know Tony obviously having to be out with injury a few times. Channing Stack still a bit of a you know hit or miss booking setup. But I think if they could just really capitalize on the uh, the whole mafia boss character with Tony D. They could be onto a winner here, and having them as tag champions is certainly a a good way to start. You know, we have the the Don, the Mafia, the Mafia boss, and you've got his uh, his lackey, his right hand man there to to help him out. I think there's potential there that they could possibly bring in some uh, you know some folks in NXT who haven't got you know a, a current direction. Maybe they could bring them in as like mobsters of sorts. But maybe I'm just uh, fantasy booking here. It's uh, I think it's good booking for the D'Angelo family going forward and nothing to take away from Gallus as well because, you know, they've had a pretty solid run as, as tag champions and, you know, it's good to see them, you know, be one of those few teams that have held the NXT UK and NXT tag team championships now. But it does make me wonder where Gallus goes from here now. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing, you know, uh, the, the three of them, uh, Coffee. Uh, the two coffees, sorry, and Wolfgang and a trios feud against somebody, you know, I don't know, maybe against Schism. Uh, I don't know if they're going to do heel versus heel or mm. I'm trying to think who they could go up against because NXT used to have loads of 
loads of factions. They don't really have that anymore. Um, I think, to your point about bringing more people into the family, I would like that idea. However, Tony D'Angelo, you know, he was one of the few people. And this is, um, let's talk about NXT 2.0 and let's talk about something that was so universally reviled, uh, so universally um, despised, universally, you know, oh God, you can't change this, all oh, the rainbow colours and all oh, this is, this is stupid. We want the black and gold brand ba- uh, back. And now look at it. Look at the stars it's created. Look at Braun Breaker's run. Look at Carmelo Hayes just now. Look at Grayson Waller on the main roster. Look at the uh, look at the uh, Jesus Christ. Look at the platform. Easy for me to say that's given Elia Dragon off. Look at you know even some of the feuds that the outgoings like Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano had on the brand. Look at the fact that Gallus have been given that platform. Roxanne Perez has been given that platform. Wes Lee has been given a platform. Tiffany Stratton. A whole new range of characters that just needed time to find their feet. And now NXT is an enjoyable two hours where it's just, this is what happens. You need to watch this show week to week to know what's happening. You don't need to watch Raw and SmackDown. You don't need to do five hours. You don't need to do what AEW does, which is, you know, you need to watch the three shows on TV and the two internet shows, and then you need to know about New Japan and all that. It is... And Ring of Honor. Yeah, it's two hours. It's these characters. And never before has a move been so successful and actually so needed. When you listen to William Regal uh, on Rene Piquet's podcast, he talks about uh, NXT TakeOver Portland in 2020, uh, the last TakeOver they did before the pandemic. There was a feeling backstage of, we've taken this as far as it can go. And NXT for a while, you know, I think we were programmed to, right, guy comes in, guy's a year here, guy wins the title, guy loses the title, guy gets a rematch, guy goes to Ron SmackDown. And that was, so when people hung about, it just kind of felt stale. And now look at it, it's just an enjoyable two hours. It's, and it's allowed people like the family and Gallus to get that, um, that spotlight. But what I was, uh, back to my original point, since I waffled on here, <laughs> um, right at the start, if you added loads of these characters just into the family, I think it would have worked. But the family have slowly turned face through fan support. And now it's just the two of them. And if you try to, you know, put a, a square peg in a round hole here, it's not going to work. It's going to be a case of, no, you're ruining what we have here with D'Angelo and Stack. So I'm not against more people being added to the family, but I I, I want it to be the right people. Um, speaking of oh, yeah, the right it's people... Yeah, it's got to be the right people, yeah, for sure. Speaking of the right people, the most overheel in wrestling, and I don't care who disagrees, Dirty <laughs> Dominic Mysterio defeating Dom-dom. Wesley and Mustafa Ali and a fun... A fun 12-minute triple threat match for the NXT North American Championships. There was your usual Judgment Day shenanigans with Rhea Ripley getting involved. A brutal riptide to Wesley through the table because he dared defy her. Um, And Dominic Mysterio retaining that title. I I, I put the the clip in uh, into the chat, David, of Dominic Mm -hmm. and Rhea blanking Shawn Michaels before Shawn Michaels says, your daddy should have spanked you more. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I saw that. I don't know what else I can say about these two other than just, I think they're sensational. They are great. The Judgment Day is good, but the two of them together are just great. Like, the two of them would be successful as a duo. You know, the Judgment Day, Priest and Balor is just, you know, bonus extras at this point. Because the real story of Judgment Day is Ray and Dom. And because I've said on past shows, you know, their chemistry together is undeniable. And, you know, they, they've just got this weird, like, I want to say, like, a, you know, a, <laughs> funnily enough, a Dom sub relationship, although it's ironically the other way around. It's, you know, she's the one controlling him practically, you know, and, you know, 
whatever mammy wants, mammy gets, that kind of thing. And she's always there to lend a helping hand, you know, despite, you know, like, I think there's been talks of, you know, Rhea should get, like, rumours online saying Rhea should get involved in the men's division and stuff because she can clearly take on any of these guys in a fight. You know, like, even physically getting involved, you know, she's, um, I think she's took out the OC single-handedly in the past. She's obviously done it to... To Wesley, to Kira Tozawa, you know, most of the 24-7 title competitors and stuff. Like, she goes goes to show, you know, she can hang with anybody. It, like, it almost feels like a like a male-male partnership a little bit, but in this case, gender isn't an issue. You know, you've just got two great performers who bounce off brilliantly with each other, and Dom just continues to rile people up as a, as a nuclear heat magnet, all because, you know, he turned against um, Rey Mysterio last year. At Clash of the Castle and people still hate him for it. It's like as much as I don't want it to end, I know at some point it will end, but I'm just gonna enjoy it for what it's worth. Yeah. I think um David Campbell said last week on this show, there's no such thing as go away heat. There are far too many people that want to be the cool heel and you know put out a, a funny line or a, a quirky joke here. Dominic and the Judgment Day aren't like that. They're happy to to be arseholes. And, you know, <laughs> the, the entire group benefit from the fact that, you know, they turned on and they took out two of the most beloved superstars in WWE history. You know, Edge has, you know, Edge great as a heel, but he has that whole... Um, that whole, you know, recovery story and the fact that so many people wanted to see him wrestle in the current era against certain wrestlers and then Rey Mysterio speaks for himself. The whole group benefit from that and they don't try to be anything other than despicable heels. What I will say here is I was quite surprised that the amount of offence Mustafa Ali was given, it looks like the Dom uh, Ali story is not quite done yet. But Wesley... Being the one to take the pin. Hmm. Maybe they want to move past Wesley now as NXT North American champion, but I fear if he gets called up to the main roster, I reckon he there is potential for him to be lost in the shuffle. Unless yeah. he unless he finds a way to truly stand out, I think he's he'd be in danger of getting lost. But at the same time, you know, Ali didn't really has kind of lost a lot of steam over the past few years, and he could also benefit with uh a challenge for the NXT North American title. You know, because we said before our predictions for the draft, you know, who would benefit from a move back to NXT. I don't think any of us put uh, Mustafa Ali down there. You know, we were saying Madcap and Emma. We were saying, uh, you know, Shotzi. And I think, uh, I think the OC were brought up at one point as well. But it, I want Ali to be successful, but I don't want it to be at the expense of someone as accomplished as Wesley has been as a singles guy. I I think Wesley now, and you know, one of the other stories we have is that NXT's next premium live event will be the return of No Mercy. Uh, no mm. Mercy, yep. Staple for many, many years. I'm glad NXT are using these names. You know, if you're not going to use them in the main roster, we're going to use them here. And I mm-hmm. I know people still love the takeover thing, but I like that, you know, it, like that was kind of like in your house. It, it lasted for a while. But, you know, sooner or later, WWE dropped the in your house from things. NXT dropped takeover. You know, it just, it, it comes and goes, these things. Uh, mm-hmm. NXT No Mercy uh, taking place on the 30th of September from Bakerfield, California. I wouldn't be surprised if Wesley takes on Carmelo Hayes because they made such a big thing about his um, about his reign, about how he had in NXT history, he has the most title defences in a month. He has the most title defences of any North American champion. He had the most title defences of any male superstar uh, in the past, I think it was three years. Mm-hmm. Um in NXT, they were saying 242 days, you know, a guy who basically took on all comers, and it's a case of what's next, and yeah, I think if Nash Carter was still here, him and Wesley going up as the, would you call it, as the MSK would be fine, 
but he's back in uh, Impact Wrestling as part of the Rascals with Trey Miguel now. So I mm-hmm. think him against Carmelo Hayes could be a great match, but I don't think he's quite done with Ilya Dragunov yet. Hey, an entertaining triple threat, I wouldn't mind seeing that. Mm. Let's talk about someone else who's not quite done in the, or sorry, someone else who could be coming in to the NXT North American title picture, and that's Dragon Lee. Uh, Dominic Mysterio and Rhea Ripley were walking backstage when they see Dragon Lee. Uh, they make they make jokes about him looking like his dad, a second-rate Rey Mysterio, and he says, you know, Rey Mysterio's a legend, I'd be proud to be like him. Uh, you'll know exactly who I am soon. There was a funny line there. I say them not saying funny lines. Rhea Ripley did let the mask slip, and she went, he goes, you'll know who I am. She goes, you're Batman. And, uh, yeah. That just absolutely floored me. But, um, <laughs> sorry, you go. No, I agree. Yeah, the the Batman line just had 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 me floored as well. Um, so it looks like Dragon Lee uh, entering into the North American title scene. Um, there was a story a few weeks ago about how WWE sees the Judgment Day as the natural successor to the Bloodline storyline. And listen, I I wouldn't mind if the guys appear on all three shows for a while. I absolutely love it. Um. But yeah, Dominic Mysterio retaining the NXT North American Championship. I'm just going to quickly talk about this one. Tiffany Stratton, Thea Hale, submission match. Andre Chase throws in the towel. Thea Hale, I hate. I'm sorry. I know people like Chase U. I like Andre Chase. I think Chase U is funny. I hate her. She's so wooden. I think she's went to the Natalia School of Acting. She's absolutely terrible. And I don't think she's that great in the ring. Tiffany Stratton, though... What a bitch. She, and that's a compliment. She plays it. She plays it beautifully. She is a mm. great NXT Women's Champion. And I would like her to move on from Thea Hale now and go into a feud with Roxanne Perez. Oh, yeah. Completely agree. Like, Tiffany Stratton, I wasn't a huge fan of to begin with because I wasn't, you know, the whole daddy's girl sort of gimmick wasn't really, wasn't really my cup of tea. But what she's done over the last few months in the ring, completely knocked out of the park. That moonsault, by the way, is a thing of beauty. Like, probably the best moonsault in the game ever since... Ooh, who does a really good... Like, Kurt Angle did a really good moonsault. It was just so flawless through the air. But, yeah, this one takes the biscuit, I think. But you're right about Thea Hale. You know, it's not... Um, it reminds me of, you know, those really corny high school bands, I think, you know, that they... They cheer someone up during a pep rally for before a big game. And it's some of the cheesiest shite, cheesiest high school musical shite you've ever seen and stuff. But I mean, I get it. Chase Chase U is funny, don't get me wrong. I just never was invested in them as, you know, you know, glass ceiling shattering ring competitors, as it were. Uh, and you were talking about the the Natalia school of acting a little bit. I do remember. I think you also mentioned uh, there was a similar comment you mentioned about Dana Brooke, and she had a kendo stick match with somebody recently, and it was impressive to see. You know, like that you said that Dana Brooke was more wooden than the kendo stick itself. Like I think that roughly fits the Thea Hale character a little bit from from my perspective. But the throwing in the towel though was a pretty pretty interesting twist, you know, given that Chase U's hyping her up to not tap out, and yet they're the ones who basically did it for her. Yeah, you saw a lot of the stuff, it was Duke Hudson that was hyping her up, but Andre Chase is meant to be, like, the dean of the university. Um, yeah, it just... Uh, I think it's maybe just to keep the face as a face. WWE don't really... It's weird seeing the Attitude Era, like The Rock tapped out, Undertaker tapped out, um, Kane tapped out a couple of times. Did Undertaker tap out? Yep, yep. Tapped out at Kurt Angle. Um, And that got over, and it it got submission moves over, the fact that it had made people tap out. Um, But they, they seem to have this thing now where, like, you know, faces will pass out, not tap out. And, you know, people will throw in the towel for them. So, yeah, just look, not a fan of this match. I like Tiffany Stratton, but I don't think she's ready to hold a feud up on her own. Like, uh, sorry, hold a match up on her own. And she kind of had to do that with Thea Hale. 
not investing the Thea Hale character. And as you said about on uh, about Chase U, they're, they're never going to shatter a glass ceiling. They do have a ceiling. Uh, and I think the time to maybe cash in on that popularity was WrestleMania, the Fatal 4 Wave for the tag titles. Um, it would have been night. No, in fact, they weren't even in that. So, no, four way for the tag title. Um, yeah, and I think they maybe should have won then before maybe losing them back quite quickly. Just uh, you know, well done for getting over. Here's the tag titles, but obviously we don't want you as champions for a long time. Um, let's talk the main event then. Carmelo Hayes, Ilya Dragunov, singles match for the NXT Championship. 25 minutes this went, it flew by. A brutal match, Ilya Dragunov putting Carmelo Hayes through the ringer. A couple of times I thought Dragunov had it. You know, this has been the first time I've really been invested in Hayes as champion because I think it was kind of well-known he was winning WrestleMania weekend. I think Battleground, you knew he he wasn't going to lose to... um, to Braun Breaker. I don't think anyone thought Corbin was going to win, although that would have been cool. I'd like to have seen him as champion. But this mm. was the first time there was the real, oh Jesus, like you thought he was going to lose. And it was only after dragging off, putting through the ringer and he's through everything at him that he managed to retain the title. So I really enjoyed this match. There are some amazing spots in this match. I think the one that stood out in particular was, I think, Dragunov was going for like a, a springboard move. Carmelo reverses it in midair into like a sort of code breaker type move. And literally Ilya with selling of the night, you know, he literally flies up a la like Matt Stryker at Mania 23 when RVD hits the monkey flip on him. <laughs> he, he's like in the air for a good second and a half and it looked like he was just floating for a minute. And, but Dragunov, I think, I don't think he ever has a bad match, you know, because he always screams intensity and he adds that little extra layer of aggression that I don't think a lot of people can offer. You know, we've seen him perform live in ICW against, like, Joe Coffey, who is a pretty hard-hitting guy on in his own right. And we also, did, I think you also discussed the, the last man standing match he had with Dijak at Battleground. You know, mm-hmm. like, these guys, like, over-delivered when it came to, you know, brutal spots and Dragunov is obviously a big factor in that. I mean, he was the one to defeat Gunther for the NXT UK Championship Reign of Terror. So I think either way, you knew you were going to get a good match out of it, but I think it was a little bit predictable in that I think Carmelo was likely to retain. But, you know, like you said, you know, there were a few near false finishes that you thought Dragunov might just have this. And when you pair it up, you know, with some really excellent spots throughout that makes you question, you know, who the winner could really be, that's how you know you've got an excellent match on your hands. Yeah, no, absolutely. I really enjoyed the match. Um, Carmelo Hayes, still champion. No complaints there. And we move on to NXT No Mercy. So this coming weekend, SummerSlam back in Detroit, Michigan at Fort Field famous for hosting WrestleMania 23 this Saturday, August the 5th. Um, me and Scott talked about a lot of the card two weeks ago. Uh, Gary, John and David Campbell spoke about a lot of it last week. So we're just going to talk about some of the new stuff that's came out um, in the past week or so. An MMA stipulation added to Ronda and Shayna's match. MMA style rules, because if there's something that works, Within the realms of pro wrestling, it's legitimate sports, David. <laughs> yeah, legitimate fighting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, although, I imagine, I don't watch MMA regularly, but is it like rounds, I suppose? Like, do you win by, you know, TKO or submission only? I don't I don't imagine it's pinfall that and happens, I, but... It just says MMA rules match. Um, right. Yeah, they need to like give a bit more context to to those you know those people that don't watch MMA on the fly. But what I did pick up from this week's RAW was oh, a go, very go. very good. It was a very just, good two part interview. Yeah. Um, so just um, as an MMA, pinfalls are not a valid method of victory. Match can typically only be won by knockout, submission, disqualification, forfeit, or going to a referee's decision. Right. So I think. You're going to see Shayna choke her out, and that'll be Ronda's goodbye. 
that sounds the most likely scenario, especially as you know, Ronda allegedly Ronda's contract with WWE is up following this weekend because she signed a five-year deal or five-year deal and then some uh, from 2018 onwards. I think it was like a five and a half-year deal from the Royal Rumble to SummerSlam 23. But yeah, you know, she was away. Big... She, she was she was away for like almost three years as well. Where she uh, obviously off with pregnancy, she had to get her finger sewed back on from a horrific injury and yeah it's almost been like a tale of two stories with Ronda Rousey a little bit yeah it's um, she was an infectious fun wrestling fan who could you know who when the bell rang could knock people out and the worst thing she did for her career was that interview where she slated the entire women's division because then the crowd turned on her, so then they turned her heel going into the WrestleMania uh, main event at WrestleMania 35. And then when she came back, it was just no one cared. Her promos hadn't improved. And yeah, uh, she was thrown into a feud with Charlotte that felt like it was never-ending. She certainly wasn't helped with feuds with Liv Morgan and Shotzi Blackheart. And then she just sort of won the title, sorry, lost the title on a random episode of SmackDown to Charlotte Flair. And then just kind of won the tag titles on a random episode of Raw. So, <laughs> yeah, as you said, Taylor Two Stories, you know, best of luck to her, you know, whatever she does next. But WWE Round 2 has not been great. Um, let's talk about the Battle Royal that's been added, though. SummerSlam Battle Royal, uh, a to-be-confirmed man Battle Royal, so far confirmed for six participants, easy for me to say, as of August 1st, LA Knight, Sheamus, Tommaso Ciampa, Shitansi Nakamura, Otis and Chad Gable. Um, I like a good Royal Rumble on these big shows. You know, get a lot of big guys who maybe aren't on the card, um, further some storylines for some TV feuds, and then get a big pop for the crowd for, you know, when a big face wins. Um, all, and maybe I'm just being hopeful here, David, but I think this is to make up for the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, and I think there's only one person whose game this is, and it's L.A. Knight. Yeah. No, I completely agree, yeah. I think it does feel like a substitute for the Andre the Giant Battle Royal, and for why L.A. Knight didn't win that United States Championship Eliminator tournament is beyond me because it was practically handed to him on a plate, the fact that he was getting massively over with the crowd. Austin Theory has done sweet fuck all since WrestleMania, you know, in that very underwhelming program with John Cena. And I think to, it, if you have to make the United States Championship seem more electric again, you know, you give it to a guy who's going to basically carry the crowd in the palm of his hand, and LA Knight is the perfect candidate for that. But... Are they going to get anything out of this battle royal? You know, it's like maybe it'll add, maybe it'll put the number one contendership for the US title on the winner. I mean, it makes sense, but, you know, Theory still got to have his match against Santos Escobar for the title. I don't know if that's, that's not been scheduled for SummerSlam as of yet, but it no, sounds like they need a program, they need a program after the show, which is why the card seems a bit light with just a week to go. I don't think um, I don't think this is going to like lead to anything straight away. However, I think this is just a a spotlight for you know guys like Nakamura, Sheamus, Champa, Otis and Gable, and it's to get LA Knight a big pop and a big victory. Um, yeah, no pun intended. Um, I, I don't see, I don't see there being a stipulation. I just see this being a SummerSlam battle royal. Um, let's yeah, talk about just light up, let, light up the crowd with by giving a popular guy a big win. I think that's the purpose of it. Yeah, I think, um, and we'll talk about two matches that won't be on the show in a little minute. But I think if a US title match is added, I think this match will be the pre-show and it'll just be to get the crowd going sort of thing. Um, mm -hmm. Let's talk about Tribal Combat for the Undisputed WWE Universal Championship and recognition of Tribal Chief. Chief, easy for me to say again. Roman Reigns, Jey Uso... David, you don't believe. David Campbell's starting to believe. Scott McLeod's starting to believe. 
Roman Reigns is not advertised for the next two pay-per-views. Payback, 2nd of September uh, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And Fastlane, 7th of October in Indianapolis, Indiana. No Roman in the next two pay-per-views. Could this be it? Do you believe in miracles? Do you believe in fairy tales? I do believe in fairy tales. I do believe in miracles. I just don't see it happening here. Like, think about it. Drew Drew McIntyre was originally advertised for Money in the Bank. He got dropped because they thought, right, that's it, his contract's up. He shows up anyway, like, you know, to confront Gunther. So advertising, not advertising someone, I should say, I think that's a bit of a curveball to have you second-guess yourselves because we've we've seen Roman and Jay go at it in the past. And what sold those matches, I think, was purely storyline aspect. You know, they had the match at Night of Champions 2020. They immediately followed by the I Quit Hell in a Cell match, which which I think should have made evented over Orton and Drew that year. But uh, I digress. It's the storytelling that's going to sell this. You know, if tribal combat means anything goes, no disqualifications... It's going to be a full-on beatdown of Jey Uso, I reckon. Like, to the point where no no family members, no one of Samoan heritage can interfere. It's going to be a, a sheer beatdown for all those months and years of animosity, of unspoken animosity between the two after Jay fell in line the first time. It's It's going to be heartbreaking to watch, I think, but... The Usos need new direction. It puts a state, puts a full stop on Roman versus Jay. And then Roman doesn't have the salary to be at payback. He could appear at Fastlane. He, he'll probably will appear at Survivor Series. But he can afford to miss at least one pay-per-view, as he has done, you know, in the past. But I don't see anything other than a Roman Reigns win here. But with peak drama, peak storytelling, and probably a few tears as well. No, I think I think it's happening. I think it's happening, my friend. I we said the I, same with we we said the same with Drew McIntyre at Clash at the Castle last year, and it didn't happen. How do you expect it to happen with Jey Uso, who has effectively been a tag team wrestler for ninety percent of his career? Right, but it doesn't matter that he's been a tag team wrestler for ninety percent of his career. John Bradshaw Layf- Layfield was a tag team wrestler for all of his career. And mm-hmm. went on a, yeah, he, a he, he reinvented his character. This is still the same Jey Uso. This isn't the same Jey. This is we have developed from unspoken Usos teaming with uh, Tamina to face painting hacker. You say Us, I say oh, good time Usos to the Uso Penitentiary to the Bloodline to the scorned uh, and shunned shunned member of the tribe. This is this is a different Jey Uso, and he has a massive crowd swell, uh, groundswell of support from the crowd. You look at every segment they have, you know, there's, there's so often in wrestling, especially nowadays, not a clear not a clear direction about who's the heel and who's the face because the crowd cheers who they want. They hate Roman. They love Jey. Jay, at the moment, you look at the pop, and this is worldwide, David, you look at the pop at Saudi Arabia, where him and Jimmy turned on Roman and Solo, you look at the pop when he said, I'm out in the US, and he kicked Roman in the face, you look at the pop in the UK, where Jay Uso was the first person in three years to pin Roman Reigns, this has gone worldwide, and this is going universal, and it's Jay Uso that's going to be holding the Universal Championship at the end of SummerSlam, I guarantee it. Boy, are you going to look silly when they, uh, if Roman oh, walks out still the champion? <laughs> Uh, no, I I believe in Tell miracle. What. Tell Go. me what, if Jey Uso does win it, he will have more than earned it. Okay? No mm-hmm. denying it. My gut tells me it's just not happening. I can't it's see just- it. 
I don't see it being a long run. I see Jey Uso defending the title at the two pay-per-views Roman is not advertised for. I then see a Survivor Series rematch where Roman takes back his title, his now singular title, by the way, because I think at the end of this reign, the Universal title is gone and it's that new WWE title that we we have going yeah. forward. The gold um, one. Yeah, the gold one. So Aye. I think this is this is it for the Universal title. I think Jehoshua will be the final Universal Champion and I think he'll hold the WWE Championship for about, till about Survivor Series and I do think Roman's storyline is Cody but I, I don't think, you know, Roman holding the title for another year and then Cody beating him is the answer. I think this has been a story well worth telling and I think the ending you didn't need to give Sami Zayn the title. I, I don't care what anyone says. No, I agree, Sami, yeah. Because Sami Zayn's victory was the Usos. You know, mm. Jimmy and Jay, you know, th- they followed Roman's command and they turned on him at the first sight, uh, which was See, what Kevin Owens said. I think you yeah. didn't need to give Cody the title then, although I, I know Gary Kernan <laughs> disagrees. <laughs> No, I'm but with Gary on that. Like they, Cody should have won it at Mania. Like they could still have gone through down the t- the path of who will be the new tribal chief under tribal combat. You know, it's like in Black Panther. You know, you have Killmonger versus T'Challa. You know, for the accolade of who becomes the Black Panther. That is what this reminds me of a little bit. It doesn't need the championship. I think. I think the championship just adds to it. And let me let me tell you this. The Cody Rhodes storyline with Dominic Mysterio, a fun stopgap for about three or four weeks. The Cody Rhodes storyline with Brock Lesnar, which has been great. I think maybe stretched a bit too long, but, you know, we're, we're coming to the end of that. It has been great. They didn't need the title. And, you know, Brock beating Cody in Saudi Arabia, that would have meant Brock Lesnar as champion again, which no one wants to see. Um, we would have essentially just taken the title off Roman for then him to drop it back to Brock Lesnar. And that's not needed. I think here, this storyline has been so compelling because the storyline was, you let us down by losing your titles. And Jay's response is, I'm going to take your titles. And I think it needed the title. I don't think this storyline survives on simply the tribal chief aspect, even though that has been a fun, you know, side part. I think this this is personal and Jay never wanted the title. You know, you saw that in the promo where he's like, I've got to get you and I've got to take your title now. It's as simple as that. Because if he wanted his title, he would have asked for it at Money in the Bank. It wouldn't have been, you know, it wouldn't have been tribal warfare. It wouldn't have been him and Solo versus Usos. It had been straight up Jay versus Roman. That was a chapter that was necessary to get to this title match, and I think it has been absolutely superbly done. But oh yeah, it's, what, been, it's been superbly done. That's for sure. It's just let, a few. I think the booking of this is going to be crucial going forward. I think Roman wins the title back before the new year. I think probably Survivor Series, and I think we do Cody Roman again. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. And I... It has, it has to be Cody Roman again, but it has the reign has to continue until then. Because no, at WrestleMania, it, at WrestleMania, it'll be much more impactful. And then Cody finally finishes the story that he should have finished a year ago. Cody can still finish a story, but he's going through hard times like his dad just now. And mm-hmm. He was someone who never, would you call it, um, never held the title for long. He was only given the title because his popularity demanded it. And when you look at the popularity of Jey Uso right now, his popularity demands it. And even if it's just a short three-month title run and Roman wins it back, Cody Rhodes' story is not dethroning the record-breaking reign of Roman. 
Cody Rhodes' story is bringing the WWE Championship into the Rhodes family, something Dusty and something Dustin was never able to do. So I still think you can do it here. But anyway, we could book Roman Reigns' title run and the eventual end all night. We'll move on from that. Uh, let's talk Superstar Spectacle, the, the show everyone wants, returning to India Friday the 8th of September. Um, the weirdest thing about this is the poster advertising mega superstars like Roman Reigns, Drew McIntyre, and Odyssey Jones. Odyssey Jones, be Christ. I still remember when I said he was a waste of a TV draft pick. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Has he appeared on Raw since he was announced as a draft pick for Raw? I don't think so. I think he's been in a battle royal. I think he was in the battle royal that Ali won to go to... Oh. Uh, but yeah, like a lot of people made their one and only, um, one and only like TV appearance then and there. Jeezo, oh. yeah, I've got the poster up there just now. I mean, why is Natalia on there? No clue. Yeah, but I uh, superstar spectacle. Yeah, we we sound enthusiastic about it. Oh, to see you looking in the background, there's Shanky as well. Aye, no, I can understand Shanky and Jinder. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, like, no, I'm just like, fuck me, I've not seen Shanky in God knows how long. Yeah, I can understand Indushare and all that, and you know, mm-hmm. all that stuff, but my God. So yeah, you've got Shanky, Indushare, and Jinder Mahal as your Indian representation. You've got Drew McIntyre, Seth Rollins, Gunther, Ludwig Kaiser, Natalia and Becky Lynch. That's probably why she's on the car uh, thing. Just more women on it. Uh, Riddle, Rhea Ripley, Sami Zayn, uh, Kevin Owens. And oh, there's one I just I didn't notice. Doing a backflip on the poster, Braun Breaker. I uh, didn't notice that. But yes, Odyssey yeah, Jones. Saw that. Odyssey Jones. One of these things just doesn't belong here. One of these things isn't the same. Um, <laughs> let's move on from that. Impact Wrestling are coming back to the UK, announcing a tour this coming October. They'll be in Glasgow on the 26th of October, Newcastle on the 27th of October, and Coventry on the 28th of October. Tickets go on sale August the 4th. Great to see Impact back in the UK. I went to one of their house shows in the Brayhead Arena back in 2013, main evented by Aces and Eights members D'Lo Brown and uh, Devon taking on Sting and Kurt Angle in a steel cage match. What a great night. Mental. Uh, and I'm gutted as well because I'll be away for these uh, Impact tapings as well. I'll be away on holiday. But see, when I saw that announcement, I thought, you know what? I think because this is the first Impact show they've done in, what, 10 years, is it? And rumour has it the tickets are being priced at, like, 35 to 40 quid. That would be a good a good night out. Like, 26th of August, I believe that's a Saturday? No, it's a Thursday. It's a th- I thought it was so, a Friday. I thought no, it no, it's a Thursday. Oh, gets. <laughs> yeah, but I think in, the, in Glasgow, for just if we're talking, you know, because we're both Glaswegian. Uh, you know, it's going to be the O2 Academy, which ICW have done a few shows there. They've done Shug's Who's Party there before. So it is. it does have the capacity to host a decent-sized show. Obviously not like a like a Hydro or an SECC or even a Brayhead Arena, but you'll still get a, a strong, passionate wrestling crowd in a, in a place like that. And with the amount of waves that Impact's been making, you know, with some of its uh, some of its big names, it has potential to be a, a big sellout. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it will sell out, definitely. Um, being smart with its locations, you know, WWE tend to just do like, you know, crowd it with Glasgow, Newcastle, Manchester, Liverpool, all right next to each other. And then London, <laughs> you know, they're spacing them out, you know, Glasgow, Newcastle. Coventry. Coventry's got... Um, One of they, these things doesn't belong. One of these no, things doesn't belong. They they have a, a big ice skating arena that um, the dreaded five-star tried to run in, um, but 
I think Impact will be able to sell that out definitely. Um, there's uh, there's not a lot of local promotions in Coventry. That's why Five Star went there. They try to like tap into that market. But I think Impact, obviously, a respected brand. Um, you know you're going to get a good night out there. So I think they'll do very well in Coventry, Newcastle and Glasgow. Speaking of impact, 4,400 uh, 4, 4, 4, 4, pay-per-view buys for Slammiversary, not including streams on their YouTube channel uh, where you can buy it through your impact, impact Plus subscribership. It's the highest pay-per-view buy for any impact-related show since... Uh, Kenny Omega was champion, and that includes uh, higher than any of their joint promotions with New Japan Pro Wrestling. So, very good uh, buys for Slammiversary, certainly for uh, a company the size of Impact. And it looks like it looks like things are on the up going forward. So, well done to Impact Wrestling. Let's jump over to AEW, David. It's the first of August today. We are officially in the month of All In when we go to London uh, mm-hmm. to play. Saturday, Sunday the twenty seventh, I should say. Easy for me to say. Next, is it on the Saturday? No, it's the Sunday. It's the twenty sixth. No, Sunday's the twenty seventh. I'm looking at the calendar now. Oh, sorry, I'm looking at the wrong month. Is we go on the twenty sixth? Sorry, I still have my calendar forward uh, when I was searching. You know when the impact dates were. So yeah, no, you're right. It's well, the twenty sixth. Um, but we are officially in all in month. Um. Some of the stories taking place just now. CM Punk revealed on Collision, what's in the bag? It was the real world championship with an X through it for straight edge. The X means straight edge, and straight edge means I'm better than you. Uh, you know it. CM, <laughs> CM Punk, the real world champion, and he's challenged Ricky Starks for the title next week on Collision. Like, what the actual fuck? Like, where the hell has this come from? Could CM Punk not have done this literally the day he came back to AEW? Because then that would have made much, much more sense. Like, I get his feud with Ricky Starks. Obviously, Ricky Starks winning the Owen Hart uh, Cup tournament, etc., beating him in the final. But why bring up, you know the AEW title with a spray-painted X on it, a la Hulk Hogan drawing the spray-painting NW on the WCW title. And then they set up a match for next week's collision for the tit- for the real title. You Meanwhile, MGF's off doing better than you, baby, with Adam Cole. And yet they throw in special guest enforcer, special guest referee enforcer, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Like, busy week, busy week for Ricky. He was included in the Great American Bash promo, and now he's on AEW. Oh, I mean, you know, I know we joke about you know Tony uh, Tony Khan being a bit of a coke fiend and all, but holy <laughs> shit! Like, how how many lines did he start when he came up with that decision? I actually like this storyline. I don't think it's uh, it's not unprecedented. You know, we had Sami Zayn uh, do a. a during the pandemic, when he had to take some time off, he came back as the real Intercontinental Champion, uh, went on yeah, to win both belts. Yeah, that was immediately after he came back as well. Yeah. You know, you didn't, Punk didn't have this whole fiasco of going up against, you know, uh, but, like, you know, Aussie Open and Switchblade, Jay White and stuff, etc. He goes to the Owen Hart tournament, you know, loses in the final, and now he decides to bring back, you know, the real world championship with uh, without without even so much as a peep from MJF. Oh, you're finished now. Um, so, CM Punk did return with the bag. We knew what was in the bag. We knew that there was rumours for months. He's only now just revealed it. And I think it was so... Because immediately they made it clear this wasn't a brand split. There was just people who were on collision, you know. There was other people that could cross over. There was other people that could do other stuff. MGF was on the third episode of Collision and he actually defended the World Championship on Collision. So I think it was to avoid that as well. We've had the um, we've had the own heart tournament. 
uh, Ricky Starks has been threatening to show what's in the bag or saying, you know, come on, punk, show us what's in the bag. Because he knows there was an episode of Collision where there was a backstage promo with, I believe it was the second episode, where Punk, FTR and Ricky Starks took on the Bullet Club. Um, he shows Ricky Starks what's in there and Ricky Starks just nods in approval. So the Real World Championship allows a continued World Championship feud whilst at the same time the very popular team of Better Than You Baby can still continue to, you know, have a run, you know, and it allows kind of like, and here, here's my comparison here, when uh, Tessa Blanchard refused to, you know, honour bookings with Impact and she was the Impact World Champion and they didn't have a World Champion at the time, Moose rectified, uh, sorry, uh, I, Moose brought back the TNA Championship Hmm? Uh, resurrected, that was the word I was looking for he brought back the TNA Championship and was recognised as the TNA World Champion and he was calling himself you know, the, the real world champion of wrestling and you know, defending that title against anyone that asked for it so I like the idea that Punk's brought this title back to then you know, get into some feuds, possibly allow Better Than You Baby to do a tag match at All In while CM Punk has a world championship match, you still get the best of both. You get MGF with the title, you get the better than your baby tag team, you get the potential heel turn, and then you have CM Punk defending the world title, the world title which he never lost. So he is very, very within his rights to call himself the real world champion. But let's talk about better than you, baby. Uh, a great match against please. FTR. Say that again? Yes, please. A great match against FTR on Collision. FTR have been great since winning the AEW uh, Tag Team Championships. Another absolute banger of a match uh, with FTR coming out the victors. The real story was MGF after the match putting over FTR, saying, you know, colli uh, not Collision, the Pinnacle had more to go, and if I hadn't been so arrogant, we could have went further. We had a lot of steam left, and I'm glad to have teamed with you guys. So, yeah, MGF showing this better side of himself. It's sort of like um, KO and Jericho, this sort of team. We know mm. we know the turn is going to come. We know the turn needs to happen. These guys can't team together forever. They're chalk and cheese. They are clearly using each other. Adam Cole mm. still has designs on being the world champion. But while it lasts, it is fun. And this character development for MGF only to turn back to being a prick will break hearts a lot more than just, hey, let's team together, win the tag tournament. Oh, we didn't win the titles, bang. Yeah, it's definitely getting, you know, best friends, KO and Jericho vibes, getting... Sort of team held no vibes, but you know, they actually became a face tag team and just ran with it rather than you know, oh, when's the implosion coming? When's the implosion coming? You know, this is it's Kevin Owens did a mega heel turn during the festival of friendship, and I think they're trying to they're trying to do that at some point down the line. But I think people have gotten into this habit of you know, they know what's going to happen, they know what's going to happen, and they think, oh, here it comes, here it comes. Oh, wait, no, not not yet, not yet. And I think they're just going to patiently bide their time and they will strike when the iron's hot. Possibly even set up a match for for Wembley. Maybe they'll do this, the turn at Wembley as well. You know, maybe yeah, they could have MGF. Said that. Do you listen when I speak? <laughs> what? So do you listen when I speak? I literally just said everything you're saying. Oh, God, you're throwing me off here now. Uh, no, I, I do get what you mean. Like the, the mega heel turn and the from Kevin Owens, but I don't think they need to strike when the iron's hot. If you get me, I think striking before the time is key. Kind of like with the shield, kind of like with the festival of friendship. It needs to be. I think Wembley's too obvious. I think if you do it before Wembley, it has to be now to allow build up. But if it's after Wembley. 
it needs to just be on a random episode of Dynamite or Collision so you don't mm-hmm. see it coming. And it gives people a reason to tune in as well every single week, waiting for it no. to happen. Um, let's talk about AEW's Dynamite. 200, 200 episodes of AEW Dynamite this Wednesday from Tampa, Florida. A big show. Um, not literally. He's called Paul White now. Well. A, big show, <laughs> a big show lined up. Um, and anything goes triple threat match. John Moxley, Trent Beretta and Penta El Zero. Uh, the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championships on the line. Aussie Open taking on Vikingo and Commander. Chris Jericho and Takesha will take on Sammy Guevara and Daniel Garcia. The AEW World Champion MGF will have a promo. Akira Shida will take on Tony Storm for the AEW Women's World Championship. Trio's action when Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks take on Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal and Satnam Singh. And Jack Perry has a face-to-face with Jerry Lynn because that's what we want to see in 2023. Jerry Lynn fighting for a title that's not registered. Jesus. I mean, just when you think AEW struck gold, you know, they surround it with, with random shit. It's just, uh, it baffles me sometimes what goes through Tony Khan's mind. Aside from, you know, the the perfectly fine white powder that is allegedly happening. Yeah, I, I do think this is a good show, though. I think that's one of, you know, maybe I'm being a bit harsh here, but it is, you know, we mentioned... Uh, MGF not there with Adam Cole if the turn's happening it will happen now you know it's Dynamite 200 the breakdown of the Jericho Appreciation Society um, although not much build Aussie Open versus Vikingo and Commander will be a great match uh, and yeah the Hikari Shida great to see her back in the title picture because I think she is um her and Britt Baker certainly carried the women's division in the early parts of AEW's run. And, yeah, it just seems at the minute that she was lost in the shuffle, so it's nice to see her back. Yeah, it is nice to see her back. It's uh, definitely one of the um, the originators of the AEW women's division. Like She's been one of the more consistent performers throughout. You know, She's been away for some time. Comes back to you know, maybe create create herself in a new image slightly every time. Always carries the kendo stick with her, so at least that's a consistent part of her. It's if there was like a women's pillar of AEW, I think she'd definitely be one of them for sure. And it's nice to see her back in the title scene as well because she deserves, you know, more exposure as a as a champion. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um so that's gonna do is for this episode of ESSR Central. A big week, so much more to talk about next week when we have the results of AW200, the results of SummerSlam, and so much more. Um, Hopefully this time next week we'll be talking. We'll have a new WWE champion and a new tribal chief. I'm betting on it. I'm not. Okay, good to know. Um, (laughs) You want to listen to more... You want to listen to more of our back catalogue? You can find us each sleep suplex retweet on Spotify, Android, and iTunes at suplex retweet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube you name it, we're on it. I'll be back next week. David will be here if I let him. See you then. Hi, I'm Scott McLeod. And I'm Grant McGrobby. We are the hosts of the monthly show on each sleep suplex retreat, East Meets West where we'll bring you all the latest happenings, reviews and big events from New Japan and the land of the Far East. You can remember to check out on the Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat podcast feed on all good Android podcasting sites like Anchor, Spotify or iTunes now. Sports Social Podcast Network.